We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind. It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters with your hosts, Nee Wallace Bruce, Corbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We are something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Pro Sports Podcasters. I'm your host, Justin Williams. But I'm not alone today, ladies and gentlemen, for I am accompanied by the one, the only, the master tech, the man behind the computer, the warrior of wizardry that is the sound editing process, which I am not privy to because I have the skills of sound editing, that of a dead squirrel. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome my co-host, Mr. Kobe Durant. Kobe, how you doing? Doing fantastic, buddy. Doing great. Let's get into this. Yes, yes. I'm very excited. For this guest I have met before, and he is a fantastic person. He is a fellow engineering alumni like myself. (laughs) Oh, the prestige. Can you feel it? Ladies and gentlemen, he also plays rugby for Team Canada. Please welcome Mr. Ben LeSage. Ben, ça va? Ça va bien. Thank you very much for the uh, the warm welcome there, Justin and and Kobe. Hope you got your iron ring on, on at the moment as well. I do indeed. <laughs> yes, he does. There you go. We're matching then. Honestly, I don't, I don't take it off for anything. I used to take it off to shower, but now I'm like, nah, it's okay. <laughs> I keep it on. Yeah, I'm I'm paranoid I'm going to lose it. So uh, I just I figure if I never take it off, that gives me the best chances. So I'm, I'm right there with you. So you don't take it off during, uh, during rugby games at all? Or you leave that on too? Well, I guess you caught me there. I'll take it off for rugby games, but I leave it on for practice and everything else. I figure, like I said, the the more times I take it off in a change room or before a practice or whatever it is, the the more places I end up possibly losing it. Yeah, no, I definitely I feel that. I, I tend to keep mine with me as often as possible. But, you know, I do take it off for the gym sometimes. But uh, other than that, it always sticks on my person. Now, Ben, I'm going to ask you a real quick question about uh, – the formation of, of rugby and, and how you kind of got into this with COVID and everything kind of just like letting up and, and you're starting to get back on and everything's happening. Was there a big adjustment period for that? Or was it just kind of like riding a bike? You're like, you know what? I got this goal. To be honest, I would say my, uh, my expectation was it was going to be a big learning curve and a big sort of long ascent back to, to where I was before, but it, it was a lot closer to riding a bike than I than I expected. I, I think sort of being away from the game probably helped sort of get a bit of a mental break from it. So I, I was really refreshed and ready to go mentally. And that probably sort of like fed into the physical aspect as well. So I'd say the first few practices of contact, I think were a little more sore than usual and, and took some getting used to there. But otherwise it was... Uh, it was really comfortable and, and, and to be honest, felt felt a lot more easy getting back into it than I anticipated. Oh, that's always beneficial. Yeah, Ben, that's our first time chatting. I was wondering, so what got you into rugby? What really got you going with that? Yeah, no, it's a good question because in Canada, I think everyone has a bit of a, a unique or a different story. And for me, it sort of runs in the family a little bit. My grandpa was probably the one first introduced to the game in the family. And, and he was a high school teacher in Barrie, Ontario. And so he he sort of helped out with, with the football team and another diff- couple different sports teams. And he actually had an Australian teacher show up at the school 
who wanted to start a rugby team. So my, my grandpa put his hand up, helped him out, helped coach like the founding team there, helped open a rugby club in Barrie. And that was sort of the, the origination of rugby with the Lesages. And so from there, my dad got introduced to the sport relatively young, played sort of growing up and, and into his adult years. I, I went to my dad's games when I was growing up. So it was just sort of natural for me to, to start playing as soon as I could and, and got introduced to the sport relatively young compared to, to most people in Canada. Yeah, because rugby for most people, it's, it's, I mean, on the list of sports in Canada, it's not high up there, right? So to find yourself playing it is a bit unique. Were you scouted to go to UBC? I actually wasn't. I was a bit of a, a self-diagnosed late bloomer, I guess. In, in Canada, I guess the, the two powerhouses of rugby are really BC because of sort of the weather there and the ability to play year round. And then Ontario, presumably just because of the population and number of people out here. And so, so growing up as a, as a Calgary, Calgary boy, I played for Team Alberta, which was sort of as good of a level as I could play in Alberta, but really, really paled in comparison to, to some of the, the talent and that was coming out of BC and Ontario. And so I sort of made my decision to go to university with rugby in mind. I definitely wanted to play well in university, but I, I really showed up at university expecting to play rec recreationally alongside my studies. And so I sort of just emailed the UBC coach, said I was showing up to UBC, that I, I was interested in, in playing for the rugby team and asked them sort of what day training camp started. So I showed, sh sort of showed up day one with, with my lunch bail and, and played played for fun and and things just kind of went from there. I, I think I got a lot better at UBC than I expected and than most people expected and, and sort of just had a lot of opportunities fall into my lap from there. Oh, nice, nice. So having played at a number of different levels, how does the level of competition compare between, say, the university level, the major league rugby level, and the international level? Sure. What I'd say is the gap is probably closing a little bit. When I got my first cap for Canada in 2016, I was still in university. And so, I mean, a few weeks before then, I was playing university level rugby. I got called up to, to the Canada team, was playing sort of at, at test match rugby against some of the best in the world. And then a few weeks later, returned to university. So there's quite a big gap there. Um, I'd say that the biggest thing is as much as the skill level and maybe the size of guys, but it's really just an intensity at, at, at the international test matches. There's sort of an, another level of emotion that's brought to the game. People representing their their country, it means a lot more to them. And so there's a bit a bit more intensity, a bit more emotion than you, than you find anywhere else. But I think sort of MLR has really helped bridge that gap a little bit. And, and you've seen university rugby come a long way too. So so I would say the jump isn't as as big as it used to be. Um, okay. And MLR certainly has been been huge in helping keep a lot of us sharp, sort of in that off season. So it's not as big of a step up, but but it really is hard to replicate sort of, like I said, the emotion and, and the, the intensity that comes with, with a test match. That's always sort of at another level that, that you can't really prepare for until you're just in the mix of it. Okay, no, fair enough, fair enough. So, Ben, I was getting anxiety because you're like, you know, you're in an engineering program and then you went off for a couple of weeks and then came back. And, you know, as a comedian, I was going through, through university and if I didn't show up to class the next day, I missed like six and a half hours of my life because I had to go restudy everything. Did University of BC work with you and your career? Or like, how did that, how did you manage engineering and a professional career at the same time? 
Yeah, you know, I mean, I think the short answer is I probably had a lot more anxiety in my first couple of years while I was trying to, to figure out how to navigate the two uh, at the same time. Yeah. And what I realized sort of towards the end is, uh, I forget sort of the, the famous quote in terms of who, where it comes from, but instead of asking for permission, you sort of ask for forgiveness, right? So at first I was, I would go to professors at the beginning of the year and say, hey, I'm going to be away for three or four weeks of the of the eight, ten, twelve week semester. Um, is that okay? And they they'd always say, "No, absolutely not. You can't do that." But when you sort of approach it, and instead of asking if it's okay, you just say, "Hey, I'm going to miss this. I'm gone. How, how can I make that up?" Sort of deal. You're sort of forcing their hand a little bit. So I, I definitely a few teachers got it. A lot of teachers didn't get it, but. Uh, I sort of was able to, to shimmy my way through it. And then for the most part, have to say that the university and, and everyone in hindsight was super supportive. Sort of understood that, that I had a, a pretty cool opportunity and not something that I wanted to pass up at the time. So there was a, a few late nights on tour on the rugby side of things. And there was definitely uh, a few uh, all-nighters cramming for a couple exams that Probably didn't do as well on as I would have liked to, but at the end of the day, I, I was able to, to get through both and, and wouldn't have done it any differently. I'm going to tell you a real quick story about that, actually. Um, I, I kind of approached the same thing, too. I had a chance to, to perform over at a, kind of a bigger club in Canada called Absolute. And um, I Ooh. told my professors, I said, hey, you know, uh, I'm not going to be there for this like period where I was like, performing. And they're like, okay, well, you know, you're going to miss like this lesson, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. And they go, what do you talk about in your sets? And I was like, well, come to a show and you'll see. And sure as shit, four of my professors showed up to my show that night that I was headlining. And I was like, oh. No way. Yeah, it was the weirdest thing. And it's funny because I was kind of roasting them at the same time too, about how engineering professors are very kind of snobby yeah. <laughs> to a degree. Did any of your professors show up to your, uh, to your games? I think a couple of them maybe took a little bit of passive interest in, in the scores, but none none went as far as making it out of the out to the game. So uh, so I think you've got got the one up on me there. Oh, no, it's, it's not a competition, man. Uh, honestly, like, you were gone three weeks. I was gone like a night or two, right? Like I, I can't even imagine the stress you went under. That really really got to me. Now I don't know if you've ever done this. Have you ever googled yourself? I mean, I have, I have. <laughs> okay, so just being completely honest, honestly, man, with your caliber, I would Google myself every day just to like make sure I'm still there. We stumbled across this thing called OmniPresent. Yes. Do you want to? Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Of course. Yeah. No. Um, and funnily enough, that's that's actually why uh, I took the time to Google myself. I guess is I've I, like had a few people now mention like, did you know you have a Wikipedia page? Which is hilarious to me and blows my mind. So I had to had to Google it just to see it and, and believe it um, with my own eyes, I guess. So, uh, but anyway, Omnipresent is a company I started working for just over a year ago now. As you can imagine, sort of things things were pretty slow once COVID hit. Rugby wise, like we talked about, sort of went went sort of eight to ten plus months without rugby, and so trying to fill the void somehow. Um, was looking for some work and, and sort of through my roommate and an introduction through sort of a, a previous classmate of his was put in touch with this this company called Omnipresent. So started working for them last August and, and what at the time was just meant to be sort of a short-term engagement where I'd, I'd help them out for a couple months while I was waiting for rugby to come back. But that sort of really evolved and snowballed a little bit where I really liked the work that I was doing. The company was doing really well. 
And so we came to an arrangement that, that once rugby came back full time in January again, I sort of continued on with them in a part-time basis just so that I could keep getting a little bit of uh, professional development on the side of my rugby career and, and see where the company has gone. So I've, I've continued that just over a year now with the company and it's been, it's been awesome. A pretty wild ride to be honest and the company's doing really well. And, and like I said, important to me to, to be getting some professional experience too alongside the rugby. So, so really, really happy with how everything's worked out. You are a man of many, many talents, Ben Massage. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Kettlebell Kickboxing Canada. Get into your best shape with their comprehensive programs. So sign up now to either their basic package or warrior package with the code PSPKB, all caps, for 15% off. Stay fit this winter with Kettlebell Kickboxing Canada. Getting back to Toronto now. So you play for the Toronto Arrows. Yeah, that's correct. Have you noticed much in the way of growth when it comes to Major League Rugby? Have you been long enough to see growth there? I think definitely. I mean, a lot of guys, the the league is relatively young, and, and I missed out on the first couple of years of it while I was finishing up my school. But I think even the caliber from last year to this past year, there's definitely a step up. Okay. I think that's sort of due to a number of different factors. One, I mean, it's North American rugby players like myself getting more and more playing time. So ourselves able to sort of hopefully like to think that we've been able to step up a level in terms of the, our abilities and, and the quality that we're able to play at. But I think you're also starting to see some credibility across the league and, and the attraction of overseas talents. I mean, Adam Ashley Cooper, Matt Ghetto, Chris Robshaw, to name a few, there's been a number of really high profile players who are some of the best globally who have decided to come and take take part in the league. So so when you have sort of players of that caliber coming to the league, I think it sort of raises raises everyone's game a little bit. And they're obviously getting back and giving back and training guys as well. The, the short answer is yes, absolutely. And I, th- I only continue to, to see that to go up because it's sort of a, a loop where they come, they improve the rugby, that rugby then gets a bit more publicity overseas and then more more people from overseas want to come and check out the game and the league locally and then so it sort of improves in turn so so i really see that that self-fulfilling cycle continuing on a little bit and, and benefiting not not just the league in general and the recruitment of overseas players but also benefiting players like myself where where we get to play at an, an increasingly high level of, of rugby weekend and week out at home and do you see Major League Rugby as an integral part to improving and bettering our own national squad? Oh, absolutely. Like I, like I said, when I, when I first broke into the national team, my time outside of the national team was spent playing university rugby. And while, while it worked at the time, I think I, I, I would get a lot better over a short period while I was with the national team and then potentially regress a little bit. Um, when you went back down to playing in sort of that university competition. And so now for that drop off to not be so significant and to be in sort of a professional environment where you're training five, six, seven days a week, you're playing 16 plus game seasons, there's a lot more continuity and there's not as many breaks throughout the year. So as much as the caliber has probably increased, I think just the ability to make rugby your full-time job and the continuity you're able to sort of build on top of that across more weeks and ultimately sort of be firing on all cylinders when it goes into to national team camps and competitions. And I, I think you've seen that a little bit in, in July and in the past couple of games against the U.S. And hopefully 
continue to see that over the next couple of years as, as the league and the game continues to grow even further. Yeah, so the the high level of play on a more continuous term basically keeps you at a greater sense of readiness when it does come time to play international events, is what you're saying. Yeah, that's exactly it. Like, as, uh, the consistency as much as anything. Um, I think you, you sort of, if you think, hey, I'm going to get 5 10% better every week. Yeah. If you're playing four weeks on and then you have to take 12 weeks off, you're going to sort of regress back to where you started. But to be able to sort of improve by 5%, for across four or five, six months, um, that, that sort of pays off and you're able to, to stay at that level for longer. So, so yeah, it's, it's been absolutely huge and, and tough to imagine sort of taking that step back and going back to the old way of doing it. So, so really fortunate in terms of timing and, and everything in terms, in the sense of my career that I've been able to experience it and, and benefit from that. Oh, solid, solid. When you're not, uh, when you're not training, when you're not doing everything that you do in a day, what is your downtime? Like, what are your hobbies? How do you how do you keep yourself interested on literal and figurative rainy days? I, I mean, to be perfectly honest, there isn't a ton of downtime between uh, between the work and the and the rugby. But that's keeps me happy. I'm someone that maybe goes a little stir crazy if they have nothing to do. So I like sort of the the stimulation and the pack schedule. I would say. I would say sort of I'm, I'm a fairly avid reader, so I do like picking up a good book whenever. Uh, Whenever I do have some downtime or, or pick up, get away on vacation and try and unplug from from the other couple things. So, uh, so yeah, just spending spending good quality time with with sort of friends and family and, and picking up a book, I guess, is is what I'll go with. What are you currently reading? That's a good question. Actually, I just I've been through a bit of a lull the past couple of weeks, just in terms of test match and, and sort of the, uh, getting away from reading. So I, I did a big Indigo haul yesterday, and I picked up four new books. So the one I'm most interested in reading about, actually, I'm forgetting the name off the top of my head, but it's about some, uh, in the shoe shop in Kelowna, I guess, a number of years ago, there was basically what do you, a hermit, I guess, just living in a, in a cave. And so it's just this story about sort of looking into who this guy was, how he ended up there. He actually, I guess, lived a somewhat sophisticated life for someone with no contact in the real world. And obviously growing up in Alberta, the story hits relatively close to home and shoe shop somewhere I've spent a bunch of time. So uh, that's that's probably next up on the docket. So nonfiction? Yeah, honestly, like 95% of what I read is nonfiction for whatever reason. Okay, like okay. I do, I do enjoy a good, I do enjoy a good fiction book here and there, but for whatever reason, just like love, love a good uh, nonfiction book. Basically, I'm blanking on the, the subject, but there was a good, if you, in, in the news right now, there's a trial for, uh, Theranos, Elizabeth Holmes. Yes. Not sure if you guys are familiar with that story, but uh, basically, yeah, duped a lot of people in terms of her startup that was worth many billions at one point and turned out to be completely fraudulent. And so that book, Bad Blood by John Carreyou, is one of my favorites, where it's sort of investigative journalism and retells these sort of absolutely crazy stories that that sort of happening right under your nose in, in the world somewhere, but maybe only got the high level briefings of it or uh, did, didn't even catch it at all. So, so those are usually my favorite types of genres. There's another one, American Kingpin. That's about uh, Ross Albrecht. Maybe he was the one who started Silk Road on the dark web. So there's tons of really, really good books sort of up that alley. So th those would be my favorites if I had to pick one genre specifically, but for really any, not anything nonfiction, I I'll go for Okay, right on, right on. And you're you're from Calgary, correct? 
Yeah, that's right. Born and raised. Are you a Stampeder fan? Uh, yes, absolutely. We had uh, season tickets for a handful of years growing up, so uh, made it made it out to several Stampeders games growing up for sure. Now, this is a kind of contested thing between Justin and I, but do you think the CFL is still viable or no? I mean, that's a that's a good question. I think you see the support in in sort of the Winnipegs, the Saskatchewans, and even in in Calgary. And I think there seems to be enough fan interest and sort of credibility and, and eyeballs on the game. I guess that you'd think it it's enough to sustain it. Now, I understand having gone to to school in Vancouver and BC Lions, like no one really cares about the BC Lions in Vancouver, at least historically. So you almost seems to you have to be going to those like prairie niche markets where there isn't sort of as much to do or the, the, the same number of professional teams. So I think they are definitely viable in certain markets, but but maybe not every single market across Canada. So you have to maybe be a little bit more picky and choosy in terms of where where you place a team. That's fair. So two things. Then. Number one, were you aware that they're trying to do an eastern expansion to put teams out in the east area? So like. Like there used to be back in the seventies and eighties. See, so I I feel like I did know that there's been talks for a while about whether it's Halifax or Moncton or somewhere getting yeah. getting a team. I didn't actually realize that there used to be teams and that those got pulled. So that's that's something new that I learned. If if that's the case, um, but that that'd be pretty cool. I mean, we we obviously just played a game in St. John's. I've played a game in in Halifax before, and people really got behind it there. So I think everyone sort of says, man, if you put a professional sports team, no matter what it is, out east in any of those places, like the fans will absolutely get behind it. There's even uh, some jokes, not that it's anywhere imminent, but people say that if it, if it, someone could put an MLR team in Halifax, it'd be sort of one of the rowdiest fan bases that they could find. So uh, so fully supportive of, of the East Coast getting a team in, in whatever sport, if, if they could make it happen. Honestly. Like I've been to hockey games in St. John's because my dad's from Newfoundland, and it's just it's livid. Like the, the oh, yeah. Growlers, oh my gosh, so good. Their NBLC team out there too, so good. Just everyone's there, popping off, having a good time. Speaking of fan bases, where have you played that you had the rowdiest fans? I mean, if we're talking about fans on my team, I would say like the the two games that stick out is honestly a the St. John's when we just played. Okay. Albeit it was sort of a smaller crowd, like I think there's maybe fifteen hundred people there. They were definitely probably one of the more hostile ones. There's fans <laughs> in the stands with megaphones yelling at the US players. Oh um they, they weren't on. shy about making making it known that uh that the the Americans were in hostile territory. And then the other the other really special one for me was I played uh I played against the Maori All Blacks at BC Place. Okay. Um, and that one, they were, they sold out the lower bowl. So that was like sort of 30,000 Canadian fans at home, super loud, like incredible stadium, obviously. So those, those two stick out as being particularly special in terms of where we, where we had some home support behind us. Nice. Nice. Love it. Now, I'm going to ask you a question about your diet real quick. Being a fellow Canadian, have you indulged in a poutine before? I wouldn't be Canadian if I hadn't, so absolutely. <laughs> Perfect. Now, in Calgary, do they have their own special toppings for poutine? I imagine it'd be a lot of meat-based product for some reason in my mind. It seems like everyone's starting to put their own twist on, on poutines and stuff. But yeah, I think sort of the, the the classic that I've had a number of times is like you get pulled pork on top of oh. the poutine as well. 
So, yes. so yeah, Calgary would definitely have a good fair share of uh, poutine options for sure. When I think of a pulled pork poutine, I don't know why I've always thought of Calgary. I, I don't know why, but it's just yeah, yeah. It seems synonymous. I don't know why, but it is what it is. I accept it. It just it just makes sense. And what would you consider to be the sort of Calgarian dish that everyone should try? I mean, like it's pretty boring, but it's just got to be Alberta beef. You know, there's nothing like uh, a nice big piece of steak in, in Alberta. So uh, that's probably our, our best export and right up there on, on my list. So it's maybe not not anything particularly fancy, but uh, but don't think of any can't think of anything else that uh, that I would want to go for. That'd be my first meal meal back whenever I get back there. Rare or well done? Uh, rare. Okay, that's the way to have it. I was, <laughs> was going to end it if you said well done. Now, actually, before we go, where can people follow you? I think my, my socials are at Ben Lesage on, on Twitter and, and Instagram. It's not as active on, on Twitter as maybe I should be, but I am a huge Twitter fan, more more just to follow and to scroll and, and to observe on there than, than to get engaged. But uh, but yeah, big, big Twitter fan, absolutely. And uh, obviously Instagram, that's what everyone's using these days. So Perfect. Awesome. Perfect. And when can we see you playing next? So next up, uh, we've got Canada versus Chile on October 2nd. So that's a home game in Langford, BC. Nice. So we head out to head out west on Monday this upcoming week to start training camp and prepping for Chile. So, so that'll be the next game. And then we go down to Chile and play them down, down there on October 9th. So those are the next two big games coming up for us. And, and those are part of the world cup qualifiers as well. So, uh, so a lot on the line there and, and we're uh, a lot, a lot of work to do. So looking forward to those. And do you know offhand what our record against Chile is like? Uh, I actually have no idea what I like. Chile is an up and coming team. Like they, they used to be not so good and they've gotten a lot better over the past couple of years. So I'd say historically Canada's probably got the upper edge. Okay. Um, but over the past couple of years, it might be a tiny bit more even. So, uh, so yeah, it should be, it should be very competitive. I wouldn't expect it any, anything else. Right on. Looking forward to that one, buddy. All right, man. Don't forget to follow Ben on all social medias. And thank you so much for being with us, guy. Of course, yeah. Thanks again for uh, for your interest in, in, in me and, and all my endeavors and stuff. So uh, thanks for having me on. Right on. 